This is not the Mandy Johnson Show. This is not the Mandy Johnson Show. It's not the Mandy Johnson Show. Hello, I'm your host Mandy Johnson, but this is not the Mandy Johnson Show. This is a podcast to amplify the voices of talented people doing incredible things in the social good sector. So pop your headphones in and let's get inspired. I'd like to give a very warm welcome to the talented Alice Rath. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm really good actually. I love Fridays. Yeah. It's quite quiet in the office, so nice. it's a good opportunity to get stuff done. <laughs> Wonderful. And here I am taking you away from it, so sorry about that. That's oh, <laughs> okay. So for those of um, the listeners who haven't heard of you and don't know who you are, um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Of course. So my name's Alice Rath. I'm 23 and I'm a digital marketer in the charity sector. So my journey into charity started um, when I was quite young because I was a patient at Great Ormond Street Hospital for about 12 years. Mm-hmm. So it was quite poorly. I was in and out for different kinds of operations and procedures. So most of that happened when I was in my later years as a teenager. Mm-hmm. So when Great Ormond Street Hospital decided to set up a youth forum, I was in that unique position where they thought, okay, this is someone who's been in for a lot of treatment recently. Yep. So I joined their Young Persons Forum. And what did you have to do there? What does that mean? It was created to be an advisory group to support mm-hmm. all staff across the hospital, making sure that the hospital was more teenage friendly. Yeah. Because it's a children's hospital, but it mm-hmm. can be quite focused on the younger side. Okay. We did really amazing projects, like making sure that medical staff covered up teenagers in the ICU Mm -hmm. um, just to sort of preserve your dignity and that was something that we fought really hard to have done it's really great to see that that was rolled out what do you mean by covered up you mean bits of your body were exposed or yeah sometimes when professionals come in they just leave the blanket over and especially when you're in the ICU you can be attached to lots of different medical equipment Mm -hmm. and it's just making sure that they then just put the blanket back over you again gosh Um, yeah little things like that can make such a massive difference I imagine yeah so I was 14 when I started volunteering quite young Mm -hmm. but I didn't want to do it at first. My mum pushed me mm-hmm. and I met some really great people doing it, some lifelong friends and people that I could speak to about conditions, even though they were different. It was just a different group of friends to have. And you really, really valued that. Yeah. So I was doing that while I was at school um, alongside, I was a Great Ormond Street charity ambassador also. Mm-hmm. So that included things like bucket collections, going to uh, black tie galas and oh, things. Nice. I also had the opportunity to speak at the House of Lords, which was incredible. Wow. And that was all while I was at school. Mm-hmm. So I was doing that kind of on the side. And then the dreaded time to decide what you wanted to do with your life came along mm-hmm. and picking universities. Yeah. And I just wasn't really sure. I was never super passionate about anything that I did really I loved school and I loved studying but I had no idea Mm -hmm. I decided that I was going to do primary teaching because I had a lot of work experience at my local primary school so I put in the hours already just because I enjoyed it so it made sense but I never felt like that was my my calling essentially I just it didn't feel right Mm -hmm. I did anyway 
and I applied to universities, but before they could let you in, you had to do a QTS test, which was just, it's a English and math test, which you have to do, even though you've got your GCSEs, it's just, (laughs) it's just to prove that you can then teach people, I guess. So you've, you've got the right qualifications. Mm -hmm. I passed the English one by breeze it was fine it was the maths test because it was mental maths test and I don't think I did a mental maths test for my GCSE mm. so I got really really flustered yeah. and you had three strikes and you're out essentially mm-hmm. and I did the first two and failed and then I thought I'm just so far off the mark I don't know what I'm gonna do mm-hmm. in the car journey home my mum then said right Alice you're realistically you're not gonna pass the third try no matter how hard you do like it's yeah. just it's not gonna work yeah so she said take a year out and decide and I just I bit her head off I thought she was crazy <laughs> I couldn't believe it because I was led to believe that university was the only way forward. Mm -hmm. My school never really brought up apprenticeships. It was always uni. What uni were you going to go to? I then felt like I was a failure because I couldn't couldn't go. And I had the grades. I had good grades at school, but I just wanted to make sure that I was going to get a job after. So I wanted to do something quite practical. So it didn't go down well. But after I had time to think about it I did decide to not go to uni and I was going to work for a year and evaluate them gosh it's so different like there's so many parents who push children to go to university and your mum was saying no do something that's better for you yeah yeah I'm really lucky actually she's very practical but she had to deal with her sort of her peers going oh I'm really sorry Alice isn't going to uni it was I was kind of treated like it was a I was a failure and I felt like one it was it wasn't great so all my friends went off to uni and I was one of the very few that mm-hmm. stayed behind and I started working. And mm-hmm. um, so I got a role as a marketing assistant in a small company. It was mm-hmm. a printer company. <laughs> and Sounds exciting. Oh, uh, I know a lot about paper, <laughs> 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 which hasn't really helped me so far in life. <laughs> never know. What's your favorite type of paper? Oh, I do like a thick GSM. So, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, me too. Now I'm getting into drawing all the time. Yeah, I'm with you on that. <laughs> it does wonder. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't like my role there. I didn't mm-hmm. like the company. I was treated, I joined when I was 18 and mm-hmm. I was treated like an 18 year old in her first job. I was once referred to in a meeting as Little Alice. Little Alice. Mm, wow, nice. In front of an agency. And I I sat there and I thought, what? Mm. But I had nothing else to compare it to, so I just yeah. kind of brushed it off. Mm-hmm. But I just felt like I was on the outside looking in. I used to ask to go to meetings and take notes, and a lot of the time it was no or wow. no, we don't need you. And I, I just wanted to learn. I knew that I wasn't going to progress there. I was just... Yeah really keen to get what I could from it Mm -hmm. so I just I thought you know I actually like marketing and I started doing a bit of exploring and doing my own research and from what I found out is that I found out digital I looked into market research and didn't feel like it was right for me Mm -hmm. but digital I thought that makes sense and that's kind of where the world's going so that would be a solid career Mm -hmm. why not try that so I started looking into the types of roles and what you'd be doing and it all made a lot of sense and I thought, oh, I, I could learn this. 
I started looking for other jobs I said to myself I was going to stay there for a year and I left exactly a year (laughs) to the day wow yeah (laughs) I was really lucky I found a job at the stroke association Mm -hmm. for a digital marketing assistant they knew I had no experience but they brought me in and they wanted to just see what I knew and what I researched and they said we'll we'll train you up and they did I learned Google Analytics email PPC paid social I had so much in-house training. My manager said, whatever you want to learn, we'll do it in-house. That's amazing. And it was really, really great. I do you think everything. your age worked to your advantage there? Do you think they saw a bright young spark and, and thought, like she probably gets so. digital because she's young? That sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think so. I think they did want someone who was young and keen to learn mm. because the role was three days a week. Okay. I think they there was the idea that it would progress and mm. it would maybe become full time, but it didn't. So, yeah, I, I learned loads and I took on great projects. Mm. There wasn't much room for me to develop. I started to think I need to do something on my other two days because yeah. I was doing so much volunteering but it just didn't feel like enough mm-hmm. I had a look around at other marketing qualifications and I found the Chartered Institute of Marketing which yeah. felt like the right step mm-hmm. um, it seemed like the most highly regarded so I funded myself and I got my certificate in professional marketing and I did that on on the side while I was working there so I, yeah. I kind of did my own apprenticeship which was weird yeah (laughs) if I knew I could have done that I would have done it a lot sooner I think yeah yeah it was really really good and I loved Mm -hmm. it and I learned all that terminology that I wanted from the first job yeah and then I went to them and I said I've got my certification I would love to stay here can you like make me full time and but there wasn't that possibility unfortunately so I was quite I had to be quite realistic and as much as I loved the charity I needed to get a full-time job so I found a role um, at Scope as a digital marketing executive they made it clear that it was a big leap for me I think Mm -hmm. Um, I had a lot of interviews (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was even brought to a coffee shop after and they just sort of chat to me and be like if this happened what would you do Mm -hmm. and if this happened what would you do I felt like I was really tested but when I went into that job I was so confident I thought well they haven't got the right person by now they never will Yeah, so I knew they took a chance on me and I I threw everything I had into that role. Mm -hmm. And my manager was really impressed. She also trained me, so I had that base knowledge. But I think that was the role where I learned the most, I think, Mm -hmm. because she came from an agency background. So I got really, really good, insightful knowledge. Mm -hmm. And then I just, I really progressed. And it was the kind of charity where you could do a little bit of everything and I was given a lot more opportunities to be like a project lead and to be in charge of things and I love that Mm -hmm. but I was struggling with the commute it was about two hours each way because they moved to Hackney Wick and I live in Hertfordshire Mm -hmm. so it was a bit of a killer and you can work from home but I like being in the office I like chatting to my friends and things so I unfortunately had to leave um, and I found a role at Macmillan as digital marketing analyst. So I'm at Macmillan now and it's 
been great. I've been acting as like an internal consultant, speaking to teams about how they can prove their performance, wow. which is so really, really great. At the age of 23, you're now seen as a specialist in digital within a yeah. very large charity. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know how it happened. I just feel like I, I also had a lot in in my background. I had a lot of voluntary experience. Mm. So while I was doing my career and progressing that way, I was also progressing in my volunteer roles. Yeah, I continued being a Euphora member until I couldn't, which was 19 or 20. And then I joined the NHS Euphorum. So that was great. I kind of got the outside perspective and it was less focus of, gosh, it was more NHS and how we can improve the NHS as a whole, Mm -hmm. which was fantastic. I went to events with Simon Stevens, incredible. (laughs) It was amazing. I also then decided that I needed a board position because I needed more confidence in my meetings. I needed to make sure that I could be vocal and raise questions to people more senior than me. So mm-hmm. I joined the Council of Governors at Great Ormond Street. So yeah. I'm a patient and parent governor representing patients outside yeah. of London. And I love that. Now I can um, address the NEDs and speak to the chair and it's really increased my confidence. And I recently, because I can't say no, I recently accepted a trustee position at Crohn's and Colitis UK. I did you? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I've wanted to be a trustee since before I joined the charity sector mm-hmm. because I always thought I wanted to do good. When I wanted to do primary teaching, I imagined myself being at the GOSH school and teaching there. And I thought, oh, do you know what? I would love to be a trustee. I would love to get to that point where I'm an expert in my field. And it was always like, when I retire, I'm going to be a trustee. And yeah. I just never thought that I would be one now. It's just, mm-hmm. it's wild. And I'm really happy. I don't think they believe me when I said I wanted to be a trustee when I was 18, but it was the truth. I was so excited. (laughs) That's Um, good because there'll be so many skills and insights that you have that retired people won't have and vice versa. Yeah, I think so. They were very, very nice. They just said, you've got some great experience, but we know you won't have it all. Mm -hmm. We're happy to take this on and it will be a development opportunity for you and for us. But who does have all the experience? that is so true (laughs) (laughs) gosh wow um so have you lived at home all that time is that how you've been able to work part-time and afford that sort of thing yeah so I have lived at home there was lots of points where I considered um moving Mm -hmm. but um my boyfriend was at uni so we just decided that we would wait um and we're now looking to move out mm-hmm. I was really lucky to have um, parents that supported me volunteering mm-hmm. they didn't understand it as much but they were just like she's doing fine just let yeah. her do what she <laughs> <Yeah>. wants <laughs> um, but yeah I think I would have struggled and would have had to pull back on volunteering mm-hmm. but in those three years when my friends were at uni I saw them a lot less so I had a lot more room yeah to do that volunteering and it was great because I met more people and 
sort of towards in the last year when they were all at uni I finally felt like I wasn't disappointed that I didn't go to uni and I finally Mm. felt like oh I have made something out of my life whereas that it was very difficult watching them and especially seeing them graduate I was so proud of them Mm. I always felt like oh it would have been really nice to do that I think but looking back on it now I'm I'm happy with when the way my life turned out I think well my dad did his degree when he was 60 years old amazing so, so maybe when you retire <laughs> that's what you can do. not that we'll get to retire at 60 but yeah whenever you feel like doing it you know? probably have to retire at 70 though yeah I know but we'll still be young at 70 so it'll be fine exactly yeah I think I'd like that yeah there you go and so, so and you're about to start a new job is that right yeah I've got the role um, of digital marketing lead at Girl Guiding, which again is insane. I remember seeing that role and thought, I'm not going to get it, but I'm going to apply anyway because I have some weird, I have this weird mix of feeling like I'm not good enough, but also still having the confidence to try for it anyway. I don't know what that is, but I had the confidence to apply and I thought, oh, do you know what? It's fine. They they don't know me and if I don't get it, then I can just have a little cry and I'll be fine. And then (laughs) (laughs) I yeah I went for an interview which I thought oh my god this is I'm gonna have to really push for this and Mm -hmm. I've never put so much work into interview prep for somewhere before but I just knew it was such a big step for me and I wanted to prove that they brought in the right person even Mm -hmm. for an interview I just felt like it was really weird that I was even there and then they offered me the job and I'm still really confused but really happy (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so but I've I'm, got the opportunity to manage, which is so exciting. Wow, gosh, and so, yeah. And do you think, pressure. I mean, you've got incredible life experience, though. You know, you've had to navigate the healthcare system and you've sat on, well, you now sit on boards to help navigate that. Mm. Do you think that's given you sort of managerial level experience earlier than a lot of people your age? Um, I think, yeah, a little bit, actually. I... I knew that when I was sort of progressing up the career ladder, I would need to improve my confidence. So I put myself into public speaking events and yeah, sure, I'll speak at the House of Lords. I didn't want to do it, but I needed to. I've I've always been thinking about my future because I'm weird Mm. like that. Being on boards, being able to address people more senior to me has given me confidence to do that in the workplace as Mm -hmm. well. And that's that's really helped because I always felt like when I was unwell I I didn't have a lot of confidence I used to really go in on myself and when you wasn't feeling well at school I'd be quiet and I was always the one in school that would read a book in the corner at lunchtime so it still took me even at school it took me a while to come out of my shell Mm -hmm. but when I think back I can even think of how I progressed um at school just because of meeting new people and Mm. putting myself out there so so helpful I am really 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 lucky and I want other people to have those opportunities so I've tried to like speak to my friends and just get some insights really like why why would you volunteer and why wouldn't you Mm -hmm. um and a lot of it is why would I put loads of time in and not get paid Mm -hmm. so I would really love if I could change anything about the charity sector it would be micro volunteering Mm -hmm. being able to maybe for example a young person being able to review some content charities produce a lot of content that are tailored for young people but when you look at them you're like 
they are not or <laughs> no, young per- <laughs> no young person has reviewed that you could spend 20 minutes to an hour reviewing that and adding some comments and that that's a type of micro volunteering and then you've got something to sort of add to your CV and show that you've done something outside of studying or working which is really valuable I think. So should we be watching this space what Girl Guiding's about to offer in terms of (laughs) micro volunteering over the next couple of years? (laughs) Oh I would love to do that Um, yeah I think so fingers crossed. Well I Um, look forward to following it all closely and maybe we can produce a case study together for. Yeah amazing or if there's any charities that offer micro volunteering Mm -hmm. opportunities I'd really like to hear from them Mm -hmm. and how they do that because they're they're sort of tapping into some really great potential yeah absolutely Mm. I guess the trick is to make it not too much extra work for from a volunteer management perspective like making sure it really adds value yeah exactly Mm, fascinating so you are one of the few successful people in the world of charity big charities that has made it into the world of big charities without a degree um Uh that I've met do you think I'm moving in over-educated circles or do you think your my experience is normal um I don't know because I suppose when I meet people I don't know if they've got a degree yeah. or not yeah because it's not relevant yeah <laughs> I don't know if you're um if you found most people have a degree I know that I'm probably in the minority mm-hmm. but I really don't know how yeah. it worked out maybe a bit of luck because there's a there's a big campaign at the moment called non non-graduates welcome run by mm. a guy called david burgess which is all about trying to get charities to remove the line in every job spec that says degree essential and mm. um, and I, I think it's fascinating talking to someone like you because it's so evident what people what charities will be missing out on if they have that line on a job spec mm. that might put someone like you off from applying yeah yeah exactly I mean I'm of a very small percentage that again I have that confidence but then also not but I will still apply for jobs where Mm -hmm. it says degree but looking back on it when I applied for those jobs I I didn't get an interview so interesting okay they were there for a reason yeah and I think for most people it would it would put them off because Mm -hmm. you just think what's the point yeah you probably spend uh, maybe half an hour to an hour putting together an application where they're just Mm going to not even properly review it because you haven't got a degree yeah absolutely and it's it's a real shame because again I was always worried that people wouldn't think I was intelligent Mm -hmm. because I didn't have a degree Mm -hmm. I know not everyone uses their degree in day-to-day life but it shows that you've got um, a certain level of intelligence so that's why I did my qualification and then Again, I still felt like, oh, I'm not too sure. And I thought it would hold me back. But I just know that when I go into an interview and I love it when people question me or fire questions at me or why did you do this? And I I can answer because I think about everything I do in my strategies. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I really like when people question it. And hopefully I I know what I'm talking about in those situations. (laughs) So it sounds like you're also a person that a lot of people can learn from because digital is still a thing that a lot of organizations are trying to figure out um, mm. a, a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are from smaller charities 
yeah who don't have the luxury of having someone dedicated specifically to digital marketing so mm. just to just so that they understand exactly what it is that you do on a day-to-day basis could you tell me what a usual day in the life of Alice looks like yeah so um I do I run campaigns mm-hmm. so that's across paid search so the ads you get in Google and that's across paid social as well I so let's break that down what does a campaign mean <laughs> <laughs> so that would be something like Macmillan's coffee morning or something like that or yeah so Macmillan's coffee morning is a, a huge campaign and it's it uses so many different channels so under coffee morning you've got the paid search site that's going on then you've got ads on paid social so that's and... paying so that when people t- type something into google your ad comes up exactly when you're on social media an advert for coffee morning will just be present and you'll notice it exactly and that's not just on Facebook that's on Facebook Instagram Twitter sometimes um, there's been testing between things like Pinterest and Snapchat so that's a lot and when I was doing that in-house it was managing all those different channels collectively and putting that into a strategy while supporting teams to focus on email marketing Mm -hmm. both for acquisition and retention so that's getting new people to come in in and keeping keeping them I also do a lot of training Mm -hmm. so I run in-house training on how to set up your own campaigns Mm -hmm. so that's on Facebook I also help people figure out what Google Analytics is mm-hmm. and Which that's I've tried learning Google Analytics it just looks so that's that's using Google's analytics tool to tell you how well your website is doing where people are visiting and stuff like that isn't it yeah yeah and it looks so daunting but yeah I promise you it's not okay <laughs> maybe you, you think can give me a masterclass need... one day <laughs> yes <laughs> it's just a way of figuring out where you need to go mm-hmm. so if you've got a big site like Macmillan it does get quite complex but if you've got a smaller site and and things often maybe for smaller charities I've seen that things might not be set up correctly so it's mm-hmm. making sure that's done and then you can get those insights because what I really want charities to do is to focus more on insights mm-hmm. because then you know that you're putting your money in the right area mm-hmm. I've worked with so many teams and they want to do an Instagram ad because Instagram's sexy at the moment but mm-hmm. it's it's not maybe right for the the target audience yeah. for example for a Christmas carol concert you're probably not going to get people signing up from Instagram because it might be tailored towards an older demographic yeah so for for smaller charities as well I think for them to use their Google Grants account to mm-hmm. its fullest potential so that's every charity can apply for is it 10k or something from google yeah get free advertising exactly so it's those search ads that you get there are some limitations with the account you Mm -hmm. can't bid um over two two dollars but um if you're using that account you get ten thousand dollars a month you should try and be hitting between six and the max you can do because the more people you get to your site the more supporters you can get, the more people mm-hmm. you can get engaged with your charity, the brand awareness. Um, lots of accounts just sit there ticking along, but it's yeah. a free tool. And so just so money. people understand that, 
when you put in a Google advert, you bid for the word that you want and say, I will pay up to, and the cap is $2 if you're getting a Google grant. Exactly, yeah. And so someone, if someone's willing to pay $3, you can't be the top result on you that You can't word. be the top. So for example, in Macmillan, if you were bidding for the term Macmillan Cancer Support, mm -hmm. there might be competitors that are bidding for that keyword as well, so they beat us. That's quite a high value keyword mm -hmm. but if you made that a bit longer based on some keyword research which you can do on online tools as well which are also free mm -hmm. maybe Macmillan cancer support services near me that's a longer keyword mm -hmm. and it will probably have um, a lower value and you can bid for that and by bulking that out with those longer keywords, you can get more traffic. Mm -hmm. So if anyone does have questions on their Google Grants account, I'd be more than happy to help out because I love it. I think it's great. <laughs> well, I wonder whether you and I should um, have a mini filmed workshop where you can show me how to do it on greatcharitiespeakers.com. Yeah, I'd and love to do that. People can see behind the scenes. <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, and hopefully people would learn through the process. Yeah, exactly. Um, I've started working with a small charity called Baggy Trousers. Oh, I love um, the name. Yeah, it's a testicular cancer awareness charity. Mm -hmm. And um, the CEO is a friend of a friend. Mm -hmm. And I've been helping him with his Google Grants account. And I've nearly doubled his spend compared to last month and traffic as well which isn't costing him anything because it's all nope. free from google that's amazing exactly yeah so when so, you say you're doubling someone's spend you're basically just doubling the amount of advertising they're getting for free exactly incredible wow gosh well yeah we shouldn't advertise this too far because every small charity is going to be contacting <laughs> you asking for help so, so digital marketing is still quite new to a lot of people in the charity sector and you've already given us some great top tips there for things that charities could try. Is there any other sort of low-hanging fruit left in the world of mm. digital law? <laughs> or has it all been taken already? Do you know what? I think there's lots of new platforms that people want to use, like Snapchat, dare I say TikTok. But <laughs> I think the, the, the standard platforms that are already quite prominent at the moment facebook twitter um things like that and obviously paid search they are really great but they need to be done right yeah. so rather than just jumping to the next big thing it's mm -hmm. thinking about where your audience are and what's that specific to mm -hmm. so just twitter's really great for um activism and it's quite a professional mm -hmm. um, environment so you can sort of tailor your content to that platform mm -hmm. and think about who's on there and what do we want them to do and mm -hmm. um, that's really useful I would say it really does wind me up when <laughs> I see things on snapchat from charities I'm like oh no <laughs> don't do it <laughs> really you think snapchat is a no-go area even if they're aiming at young people or Potentially, and it's also what you're going to get those young people to do. Yeah. I think young people, I'm going to say a stereotype across the board, but probably wouldn't donate, but might be more likely to get involved. Yeah. So maybe you would want to target young people that are already affiliated with your charity mm -hmm. um, rather than just reaching out to all young people on Snapchat because mm -hmm. 
yeah most of them won't donate and if they do it will probably be through one of their friends that's taking part in an event yeah so that's quite popular so what so I haven't really worked in the world of digital for six years when I was at change.org um um six years ago all the fundraisers I was talking to were saying digital is great for raising awareness but it's rubbish for raising money is that still the case of charities figured out how to get a good return on investment from digital um i've had a mixture of experiences mm-hmm. um some campaigns that have worked out really well some so normally like you've got your christmas campaign which a lot of charities do but it is a shame because um advertising spend um gets inflated because Christmas is a really busy time of year for advertisers yeah um I think it's about using again using those right channels Mm -hmm. and engaging people that have already um reached out to the charity so um Scope did a campaign where they asked for people to sign a petition um lobby the government and um change the support disabled people receive um, really great we did a lot on our organic social and paid um to get people to sign the petition so and then with to, that just to explain your jargon then organic is when it's oh, not sorry. <laughs> yes you're so, so organic world. <laughs> yes. i'm normally quite good when explaining <laughs> things but sometimes i do go off on a tangent i get so excited um organic is your your free tools so your your twitter account your facebook page things that that. So if you just post something on Facebook, a, a digital organic. marketer would call that organic. Yeah. Yes. Yep. <laughs> um, so we collected email addresses and people that wanted to sign the petition. And then from that, we created a campaign where we broke them out into people that were keen to be campaigners and gave them certain asks and um, people that were likely to be key supporters and gave them donation asks. And did you do that through email or did you do it through targeting, retargeting them on social media? Both. But email was really, really helpful. I think if you've got the right list. Yeah. So with um, charity newsletters, you might get your monthly one where you've Mm -hmm. got various different things. Rich Heart Foundation have a great email newsletter if anyone wants some inspo because it's mm-hmm. phenomenal mm-hmm. but um there's i know um platypus talk about it quite a lot matt he says that rather than putting a newsletter together sending out one ask yeah so if i was going to do a newsletter i would do purely content about mm-hmm. stuff from maybe a blog or stuff you've seen on twitter and things that you want to share with your supporters mm-hmm. and then when the time does come for an ask that you want or you need supporters to sign your petition or to mm-hmm. engage then that's when you send out that one-off ask and people so you, will think do you don't mix asking for something into a newsletter is that what you mean I think so yeah that's what I would recommend okay, I so also think on news and then every now and again ask them for what you need them to do yeah and mm-hmm. people are bombarded with asks all the time yeah it's you know every their organic social so on their their social media channels I think there's so much and I know there's a lot of objectives charities need to achieve Mm -hmm. but by giving people more content they can warm to the brand and um, get an understanding of what the charity does I think they need more of that before taking action it's Mm -hmm. just like when you buy a product you Mm -hmm. you don't 
you rarely now buy something straight away there's that consideration period I even before I buy something really small like a notebook I'm I'm looking at the Instagram page oh what does that like oh what color do I want or mm. is it lined pages no I want the dots or <laughs> <what>? <laughs> <laughs> so it's just things like that and it's worth considering so that's where you can learn from e-commerce sites mm. wow gosh you have so much blabbering on <laughs> I know I'm, I'm absorbing it all um you're just such a an expert in this field it's great to learn from you um, don't see myself as an expert at all <laughs> okay you're an expert with imposter syndrome in this field <laughs> <laughs> okay i'll take that i've still got some weird confidence that i'll still apply for things <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly don't lose that bit that's great yeah <laughs> Fab, what, what's your favorite thing about your job oh so obviously I love working for charities mm -hmm. I love that and mm -hmm. um, I like I said I, I always wanted to do something good and I feel like I can do that in a charity mm -hmm. with opportunities to volunteer I'm always the first to sign up to be on the cheer posts <laughs> I also just love the actual job itself I love writing strategies and thinking about how to make the most out of a charity's money when it does well telling people that it's done really well if it hasn't done well I will put so much work in to make sure that I've done absolutely everything I can think of mm -hmm. so just the the job I do just love in itself which is really weird because I fell into it it was yeah. completely random and I yeah I never thought I was a musician marketer I don't think that job existed when I was at school to be fair I'm not too sure well and it's so funny because you literally started off with paper <laughs> that yeah I just knew it wasn't for me I mean I wasn't big on printing I don't think I've ever printed something at Macmillan I've been at Macmillan for six months and haven't used the printer yet so <laughs> That's so funny if people want to connect with you where's the best place for them to find you on LinkedIn I'm on Twitter my Twitter name is Alice underscore Rath R-A-T-H not with a W. Uh, <laughs> I'm on Instagram, but that's just pictures of me with different cocktails. So you probably don't want right. to find me yeah. on there. So Twitter is <laughs> probably my best bet. It's yeah. my, my charity page. I love it. <laughs> and the most important question that I ask everyone, do you drink oh, no. tea? And oh no, oh dear. <laughs> no. Do you drink tea? No, that's okay. No. <laughs> I don't drink tea. Do you I'm drink really any sorry. hot drinks? That's okay coffee I do drink coffee but I have loads of weird things I do like I don't I don't have gravy on my roast dinner like <gasps> oh, I just I'm, I'm not one sure of those... I would have let you be on the podcast if I'd known that <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that is a, a dry Yorkshire pudding just wow, uh, interesting but I just do things like that that just outrage people just... actually I'm quite happy maybe we could be friends because I love gravy and if I had Sunday lunch with you I'd get double yeah. gravy Okay, exactly. so yeah, this can work. That's okay. <laughs> but people no. just get really outraged. And occasionally, if I'm not out for a roast dinner, I will have ketchup. So mm. oh, I do that when I'm out sometimes. Is that not acceptable? It is, but I just feel really embarrassed. And when I'm out with friends, they'll make fun of me and I can't okay. take it. <laughs> well, the two of us can go for a roast lunch and I will have gravy, your gravy and ketchup. And then yes. you can have whatever you like. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks so much for your time, Alice. It's been great learning from you. Oh, no, thank you for having me. It's been really, really great. This is not the Mandy Johnson Show. This is not the Mandy Johnson Show.
It's not the Mandy Johnson show. <laughs>